welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think we'll we'll run into a lot a lot of security problems with serverless where where how do you isolate two functions from two different customers essentially building a multi-tenant serverless architecture I believe that's will happen soon because let's think about how this works everyone my function and your function we kind of call the same endpoint it's going to be the same IP addresses they're not going to reserve different IP addresses for each one of them that doesn't scale so that means you and I share at some point the same server to make the decision to execute our function. And I believe some nasty hacker is going to find a way to exploit that. What is up? Dude, this is it's going to be a great year, guys. This is going to be a fantastic year. Let's get this show started. Let's make this year count, all right? Let's not make it like 2020. It's all in our hands. It's all in our hands. If you believe it, it will manifest. I sound like the scam artist. It's a snake oil salesman. You just believe it, and it's going to happen. <laughs> Cherak says, thanks for making the WebSocket Crash course public. You are very welcome. Let me tell you the story about this course, guys. Oh, you know, I started working on that course for a long time, right? And I made most of the videos that, that is in the course were on YouTube, but only for members. So it wasn't public, right? And it was on Udemy. But then what my approach is, I like to... My goal is not to make money as much as I want to reach as much people as possible because that's that kind of poured into my goal that I talked about many, many times in this channel, which is to become a better software engineer, to reach as many people, to help as many, as much people as possible, right? Because that in turn kind of helps me because you have no idea, guys, if you help someone, that the karma you get back is just insane. Not just karma. Uh, as logical points, right? Uh, faith points. No, it's just you have no idea that this person can give you back vital information that, hey, Hussein, uh, thank you for doing this. And can you make a video about this topic, which I never heard about? And I go and explore that topic and it blew up in my face and I, and I n- learned new things that I never heard about. So 
because of that, I started learning new things because of that. So that's what I did. So I eventually make my Udemy courses free, but it takes time. And all of a sudden, what Udemy did, they, they changed their policy. They, don't, they, don't, they can't let you make the courses free if they are more than two hours. So I, I was screwed. So I was like, okay, let's start making... So I started building the course on YouTube and started building the videos here uh, on my beautiful Mac, which is the story I want to talk about. <laughs> so I pulled I put the five, six-hour videos, and I put it down, and I started putting it on iMovie, and I started... Uh, I said, okay, all done. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's let's push this 4K quality. Do it. And the machine says 23 hours. I was like, what? And guys, I never actually made one video five hours in one take. It's always like chopped up. It's like, what is going on? What? Why is it taking 23 hours? So I canceled it after waiting for an hour. It's like, okay. This is just stuck. Then I canceled it. And then I did this. Okay, let me do it 1080. And then that took, I don't know, it says 18 hours. It's like, okay, this is just nuts. And then I realized that my machine is just, is not taking it. If I want to move in 2021 to this level of production, I need a new puppy. This puppy is not selling it anymore. So my Mac, I bought this Mac when I moved to the States back in 2015, October. So it's it's a decent Mac. It's a, it's a Mac laptop, MacBook Pro, whatever it's called. By the way, guys, I'm not that good in hardware. Uh, when I was a kid, I mean, when I was a teenager, my, my dad and I used to like assemble PCs and sell them. So I was responsible for the soft, uh, software side, and he would do the hardware side. So I don't know anything about hardware. I don't, I don't know very, very little. So... This PC is 2.2 gigahertz quad core. I guess that's good. Four cores and core i7 and 16 gigabyte of RAM. And I want. I remember I want 16 gigabyte of RAM. So I'm 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 um, I'm planning to do the the M1 next, maybe next year or this year. I hope you get success like MKBHD. Oh my God! Thank you so much. MKBHD is a badass man. That guy is so so inspirational. مساء الفل يا حسين كل عام وانت بخير حازم says uh, good night Hussein and happy new year thank you so much Hazem I appreciate you my friend I know it's a little bit late in some of the rest of the world we just started 2021 here in California it's 11.30 a little bit more than 11.30 in the morning so we're just so excited all right, let's get to some questions and what are we going to do with 2021? I'm so excited. There's so much stuff I want to do. And uh, guys, you know that I, I don't set like like uh, actual goals to do in 21. I have this uh, I have this overarching goal, which is I want to become a better software engineer. I want to become a better back engineer. I want to learn as much as possible in the back end. I want to just educate myself as much as possible and just share this knowledge. So if the, if the opportunity comes, and and it answers these two questions, it becomes my goal. The first question is, well, uh, am I interested in this technology? That's the first thing. Second thing is, well, if it says yes, then it's an end, right? So it's a short circuit. And 
if that technology will help me reach my goal, which is to become a better software engineer, then if those two conditions are met, I do the tech. I learn the tech. And quick, boy, quick is one of them. I want to handle quick. Quick is going to be big in 2021. Browsers will support quick. I see more web browsers will default to quick. As browsers def uh, implement quick, the official IETF quick protocol in the client side, the servers will start moving to quick by default. And then Caddy, I believe, already started supporting that as a beta, I believe. Other web servers are, are going there. Cloudflare are building the web server libraries for Quick. So there's so much exciting stuff, guys. What are you excited about 2021? Let me know in the comment section in the chat. -to. Chat to this. Let me know in the chat to this. Have you made a roadmap video for backend? I have not. Um, I need some time to build a roadmap, in my opinion. I have an idea of how the roadmap looks like. And then if you go to the beautiful site now, you, you cannot throw shade anymore. Back into HusseinAlsa.com. It actually looks pretty. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah, you, got, you, guys, uh, you, you guys made fun of my site <laughs> because like, I didn't have any styles or anything. But yes, yeah, one of you actually uh, 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 volunteered to make the site pretty and they give me like a bunch of CSS magic and I... I don't know how it works, to be honest. It's just, I, I checked and I said, okay, would I pay another 100 kilobyte to get this pretty side? I said, nah, let's do it. Let's do it. Cassandra versus Scylla. Oh, man. I remember when I first heard about ScyllaDB. It's, it's, on paper, Scylla is way better than Cassandra, right? Because it's C++. It's not Java as, as thick as Java right, compared to Cassandra, but all of a sudden, uh, we, we didn't see it battle-tested, Scylla, compared to Cassandra. Cassandra is battle-tested, but I believe Scylla is going gonna, is gonna to start competing really hard. Scylla, I remember, like, it was 2016, what it was, 2016, 2017, I think, when Scylla started just popping up, and, and boy, it's a good database, so uh, I want to explore both of them. Can you explain the solar wind hack? Thank you for the super chat, Rod. Appreciate you. The solar wind hack is is one of these interesting hacks that I talked about in one of the live stream, and I just didn't make a video about it because honestly, I didn't see details that interest me. Right? It's just um. Let's explain how it happened, right? So there is this enterprise software that's called Orion that everybody's using, all companies, enterprise companies use for their networking health and stuff like that, right? And and it's not something you can just uh, download and work with. It's 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 a private something uh, company that B two B kind of a thing, right? That's why we don't hear about this, like as as you and I, normal engineers, right? As companies will know about this, right? Apparently, someone, and I don't know who, right, managed to get access to Orion source code. And they didn't, what they did is, is very smart. They rebuilt the patching system so that 
it inject code. They did not change the actual code. The code of the Orion was good. They only changed the patching system so that the patching system starts installing that special software, which which then gives you access to these command control. So, all right. So, Orion software is now installed in, I believe, Google, Microsoft. And I just read an article that Microsoft source code was exposed as a result of this solar wind thing, right? And uh, Firefly, was it Firefly? I keep FireEye and other companies, right? Have all this Orion software. And once a patch get kicked in as an update, if you say yes, the patch will start installing the malware version because it was modified. But now this malware version goes into the software undetected. Why? Because now it's, it, it passes the check because Orion software was shipped and verified and signed, right? And then that tells me that they, those guys had full access to the source code so they can compile the software and sign it with their private key so that it's, it's all good. Nobody can fake that stuff, right? It's just so, so, so interesting. And then once you're in, remember guys, just getting in as a malware, that's not the, the end. You still have so much work to do. And those guys, whoever built this thing, they know they know so much about this technology, right? So they started hiding themselves. And they said, okay, how do you, how do you as if you want to build a software, how would you uh, have it controlled by some other party? If you're an attacker, what would you do, right? Would you allow this, this Trojan to connect directly to an IP address that is essentially you? your command and control no if you do that immediately you'll be caught because it's like wait a second why is my microsoft in the u.s and seattle pinging from its network some ip address in russia that doesn't make any sense or if you're another company like in and i don't know in texas why are you pinging something in russia so they thought this through. They said, okay, let's install the command and conquer somewhere else so that it's, it's, it sits in the same region as the Orion software, wherever this thing is. It's genius. And they didn't hardcode the IP address. They hardcoded C. They didn't hardcode. They, they, uh, they did the, what is it called? Uh, domain generation, which is a C names, a bunch of C names that is just to get generated based on algorithm and the software just pings those c names and those c names completely legitimate and if you if one of the c names that auto generated c names hits an ip address it will point to the vpn location which is in the same region which then points to the point uh, to the command and control in russia whatever i don't know where is i i don't allegedly i don't know i don't want to make things up so that's that's the solar wind in, in a nutshell i i know i missed a lot of stuff but <laughs> It is insane. It is insane. So that's why it's a very scary attack. Adewait Kumar Singh. Thank you for the super chat. What metrics should a backend software developer track to know if they are growing or not? Growing? In, in, in what sense? The backend growing or the actual software uh, developer or the backend developer? Uh, I guess I'm, I'm going to assume that you mean the actual backend engineer or the developer how they how they actually evolve or, or grow and the, the goal here is oh, let's just think like how can i 
know that I got better? That's a very good question. Let's think about it a little bit. So, uh, so I'm going to take myself an example, and that might not relate to you guys, but essentially, if I, if I know, if I want to know that I, I, I became better, I compare myself to how I was three months ago or six months ago or one year ago, right? And uh, basically, it's very artificial, right? Because I would ask, uh, some metrics would be, describe how a query to a database actually, what a query actually does. And take a look at one word of query, right? Today, if you show me a query and I did a trace on the query, I understand way more than I know myself. I understand way more what happened compared to 2019, Hussein, or 2020, Hussein, definitely, right? Because I start paying attention to things that I just was blind to, right? Like, I don't know, backward index scanning versus uh, examples is how many rows were fetched and how the actual execution is happening. And I, and I talk about example databases because I work with databases almost every day and different kind of databases. So that's that's just one example, right? If, I, if I'm going to mention Node.js, now I know, and then Code, Code Dam, uh, shout out to Code Dam, great channel. He, he, he actually put a new video on advanced Node.js threading. And I had a misconception that the default threads on Node.js, I believe, is one single threaded, but I think I was wrong. So I need to kind of, I, I think I need to dig deep into that because you can adjust the thread pool uh, on, uh, on the HTTP server so that it accepts multiple connections and this is going to be served based on each thread. So that's, that's, uh, that's very, very interesting, right? So I start comparing myself like, okay, if something, if I, if, if you ask me a question, right, any question, here's how you can determine if you, if you got better or not. If you are excited to answer and you, inside, you know way more than the answer itself, then you got better, essentially, right? Because that's, that's what Jordan Peterson says, right? It's like, in order to speak effectively, you need to know way more way, way, way more than what you're talking about, right? If I want to talk about, let's say, HTTP. If I want to talk about HTTP, I'm very comfortable talking about HTTP. And I can spend hours talking about that, right? But if you ask me to talk about, let's take TLS 1.3, I know personally that I can talk about TLS 1.3 as a transport mechanism, but I know that I don't know what really happens in the packets. I don't know every single field in the TLS. I don't know what are the different cryptography. And I, if you ask me about the actual cryptography, AAS versus uh, elliptic curve Diffie-Hellman, I'm going to stumble. I don't know these things. I know what they do. I know this is a handshake and this is a symmetric algorithm, but I, that's the limit of my knowledge. So... If you ask me the same question next year and I was so comfortable because I know the inner of this and I know I'm going to answer only the shell, then I know that I got better. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. I, I've been mumbling all the time. <laughs> I ho hope that makes sense. Karen. 
I'm a microservices backend Node.js developer and I only know NAT streaming server for events. Uh, have I heard about NAT streaming? I, I don't believe I did. Do you suggest any other event streaming technology? Well, for the event streaming, I mean, I don't know what NAT streaming is, to be honest, right? But what is the underlining technology for NAT? I would ask that question, right? Is that a software or is it an actual fundamental thing? Right? That's why, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really talk much in this channel about tools. If you if you notice, and you, you're gonna start noticing that if you start following me, but I don't talk about tools. Also, talk, I only talk about fundamentals and then relate to the tools on top of it, right? So, the NAT server here in this case, I for eventing. So the for, for the fundamental to your question is the eventing, right? How do you do eventing? Uh, server sent events is the best thing. That is related to this, right? That's cheapest, I guess. Right? The the next thing, which is a little bit an overhead, I would say WebSockets. And again, and I'm talking about within the web security model. Because if you if you are not restricted with the web security model, just use TCP, right? That's the lowest latency possible, right? Or if you're if you're feeling courageous, use quick. What's my streaming setup? literally nothing i need to get better i swear my streaming server is just this built-in camera and and this is mac and obs and some overlays and this beautiful mac this puppy served me well i am a mern stack do you recommend learning microservices uh not really you don't have mahdi you don't have to be uh, learn microservices. Remember, uh, microservices is a hyped work, hyped technology. So learn what it is. It is just a bunch of services that connect, talk to each other. Now ask this question to yourself. Can you build two MERN? What does MERN stand for? I, I'm not that good in the stacks. MERN stack. MERN stack. Mean or MERN? What is MERN? Uh, Mongo, Express, React, Node. Okay, so okay, Node and React. I don't know anything about React, so that, that's the client side, which is not really uh, something I I know about. But what matters, Express and Node and and Mongo, right? So the database is Mongo, the Express, Node.js. I don't understand stacks, in my opinion. I mean, you can literally build unlimited number of stacks. Why would we? I guess these are the most popular. I guess that makes sense because we had the LAMP stack, right? I guess that makes sense. Uh, MongoDB, Express, and Node. So Node and Express, to me, those are the same thing, right? I mean, Express is built on top of Node, right? Isn't it? Isn't it? What, what is this thing? Ah! What is the life team? Okay. What was the question? What was, what was the question? We're answer about it. Yeah. So if you, if you, so Node, right? So that, that was a question about the microservices. So you know Node, you know Express. Forget about Mongo for a second. And um, Mongo is nice. The mo good thing about Mongo is it's already cluster technology. So you don't have to worry about that stuff. But for Node, here's the thing. Can you build two Node.js services that talk to each other? Don't look anything up, Mehdi. Don't look anything up. You, I am asking you, 
build one Node.js server, listen to a specific port, build another Node.js server, listen to a specific port, and build a React client, and send a request to one Node.js server. But that Node.js server talks to another Node.js server to give you the answer, right? Do this, and do this very simply in synchronous manner. And that third Node.js server has the database, which is MongoDB. So did you see the chain now? React, Node, Service A, Service B, and Mongo. So Service B talks to Mongo. React talks to, uh, what is it, Service A, and Service A talks to Service B. Can you build something like that? The answer is you can, and you will. Do not look anything up. Go and do this right now. You will learn microservices. As simple as that. And then you start understanding that this is very, very challenging because the function that you used to call within JavaScript in service A, now just all of a sudden move to service B. And you have to deal with circuit breaking. You have to deal with retries of case of a failure because network calls must, must fail at one point, right? So that, that latency. And then you start asking questions like how can... Uh, you'll come up, Mahdi, you'll come up with to me with questions. It was like, oh, okay, how can I connect service A to service B? Well, how do you connect React to to service A? Express, HTTP, do the same thing. Do the exact same thing. Service A is now the client. Don't use React here. That's just ugly, right? But just use a normal HTTP client that connects that. Make sense? Hopefully it makes sense. Uh, Next.js put node on top of React as well. Oh, I guess you can, huh, in this case. Can you explain socket IO in simple matter? Tech DJ JD ask. So, uh, socket IO, in order to understand socket IO, you must understand WebSockets. And that's the problem a lot of people make. By jumping into socket IO, we're having no clue what WebSockets is. That's why I made today's course, which I just published, and it took me only 15 hours to render the video, <laughs> uh, which is a five hours video. Talk about WebSockets as a base fundamental first principle. Understand how it works, right? Once you appreciate, you build your own WebSocket server and connect from the browser, dev console, new WebSocket, server pure no library nothing once you do that you will appreciate what socket io does for you because if you know me in this channel guys i do not tell anybody to use any tool without understanding how it works i know a lot of people disagree with me on this one do not use express if you don't know how to build an http server and and brad Traversy swears by this, right? And then he made a, a course, I think, building a web server using vanilla HTTP server, which is so badass, right? Because it's so hard. He spent, I think, two hours building that course. That, that guy, man, that guy's so awesome. Brad Traversy, obviously, everybody knows that guy. So, Brad, build that, right? You can build Express using. HTTP server. You can build Django using Tornado, which is a, another Python web server. You can build anything on top of 
the fundamentals. Once you understand the fundamentals. So if you understand this first principle and then you use that, you appreciate it. Plus, first of all, you appreciate the work that the people behind Socket.io, the people behind Django, the people behind Express did. That's the first thing because we as engineers, we need to appreciate each other's work. The second thing is, which I forgot, uh, is going make to you, make you a better software engineer because if there was a bug in Express and you know how it works, Guess what? You will not sit like this and says, "Oh well, <laughs> it's not my fault. It's those idiots that may build Express. I'm not gonna do anything." No, you will step in the code and fix it because you're an engineer. Because you're interfacing with this directly, right? And you're gonna you're gonna understand at least. You're not gonna fix it. Obviously, you don't have to, but. You can at least, at least understand the problem. And once you understand the problem, you just feel good about yourself as an engineer. You just you don't understand how things work, right? And I, I know that you only can take this, I guess, uh, not theory, uh, philosophy so far, because um, you might say, well, Hussein, if you think so far, it's, it's, you need to understand everything. Just just code everything in assembly, right? Not that far, right? So there is there is a limit, obviously, to what you need to go, right? And that big that goes into your interest, that goes into your career, that goes into how far you want to deep. That, that's that's kind of depth first versus breadth first. You guys, computer science will know what that difference between the two. Abdurrahman al-Khatib. What is it? Is a backend software engineer considered to be a network engineering? I see you talking a lot about network aspect. It is the most important thing in a software engineer. Yeah, so Abdurrahman asked that the question is like, uh, what is a backend engineer really? It's a, it's a very backend engineering is is a, is a very abstract thing, like front end engineering. What does it mean? Uh, is the front-end engineering mobile development? Is it web development? Or is it desktop development? Because technically, I've been a front-end engineer some of my life, early 2006, because I built desktop apps which connected to a back-end which happened to be a database. I was a front-end engineer because that's a front-end development, right? Back-end development is exactly the same thing. It's just the line blurs, right? That's why back-end engineering... Personally, I believe one of the most important aspects of backend engineering is networking because, and as we go through the microservices and Kubernetes, this becomes really, really critical. You need to understand how things work in the network, right? And and a lot of engineers disagree with me on this one because it's like, no, it's not a job of the backend engineers, the job of the network engineer. Doesn't hurt to learn because you're, you're using TCP, you're using HTTP. How does this work? It's a network. You're using proxies. How does this work? Networking. So understanding TTLS, understanding all this stuff boils down to networking. So that's why networking is very important. Do you have to understand every single thing in network? Do you have to understand what's the maximum segment size in TCP? Probably not. But guess what? Some people might go that far if they need to. That's the trick. If you need to. You need to learn how to learn. That's the trick here. And it's very hard. Rod, 
just became a developer tier. Thank you for becoming a member. Enjoy the tons of free uh, YouTube videos for members only. There's a lot of good old stuff there. Do I need Microsoft architecture for a large-scale chat app like Facebook? Please tell. Um, Mishara says, do I need microservices architecture for large-scale? Nah. I mean, it depends how large-scale, to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't go to microservices, in my opinion, unless I absolutely need it. Because think about this, right? Uh, I'd rather go serverless than and not microservices. I'm that... I'm that kind of scared of microservices because it's a slippery slope. If uh, again, if if things became easier to manage again, and you understand how it works, and just like become like a one push button, which is I see this very very far ahead, in my opinion. Then yeah, but in this age, I rather build multiple serv- serverless functions that does the job for me than actually scale with microservices right the goal of microservices like think about why did we build microservices just again back to mahdi's questions like oh i am the mer developer do i need microservices i talked i told him hey you have a service a and service b build a node.js service spin up an express node.js service and spin up another node.js server and let them talk to each other just just make a call to service a and let a calls b and let b respond to a and all of this synchronous don't have to be fancy and make it asynchronous or message queues or anything like that and let deliver the answer back to a if you do it you just congratulations you just build this micro uh, a services architecture now the question is like how micro are these services how small well how how small you want to get pretty small break every break them finer and finer the more you break them finer and finer, the worse it can get because you're going to get into this mesh architecture and it gets ugly. Uh, Mahmoud says, are you Arab? Yes, I am. I'm from Bahrain. Originally. Any videos on serverless? Not yet. Maybe in 2021. I'll be having few people that are deep into serverless and deep into Kubernetes because I am not uh, expert in those areas please i saw a good question please elaborate in databases being stored in ssds that's a good question databases and ssds so solid state drives guys uh solid state drives the idea of solid state drive is is to avoid mechanical moving parts you probably know that the physical hard disk drive have seeking where you have to go to a sector and then you pull a block, block and then you fetch a block, right? And it's all moving part. SSD uses a flash NAND, I guess, uh, to, 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 to read and, and write pages. And, and the, but the limitation for, for reading and writing, it reads only a block, right? And a block has many pages. And if you read and write a block, you are responsible to read and rewrite the whole block again as as it should right you cannot just go and change one thing in the block that doesn't work like this way if you want to change one byte in a block let's say example that's why updates are, are the horrible for ssds horrible let's say you have a uh i don't know a movie right 
is 600 megabyte movie. It's a big file. You want to edit that movie, you want to cut clip part of it, right? If you want to clip part of it, then you have to go into disk, whatever that page is, read that particular page. And if it has in multiple pages, you have to read multiple pages and then change that and then write it back again. And if you do that multiple times, that page or that block eventually will die. There is like an only limited number of times. That's in the thousands. Right? So now let's take this to databases. Now that we know SSDs love to write, if you write a new page, knock yourself out. Writing is, is good because we just allocate a new page and then flush it. It's, it's a literally just write. Big off one, even less than that. Very fast. But if you want to change existing page, that is equal to an update statement. That's, eh, that hurts. That hurts. Yep. And if you do it, doing a lot of updates on SSDs, that hurts the SSD. It's going to do it. It's going to be fast. But if you understand how SSDs work, and again, this is one of the things that I'm not very comfortable with. I don't really know how SSDs work controller. I know this is the, the, the high-level things, right? And once you understand that the updates are, are expensive, now go back to your statement, to the databases, right? If you're doing an update and your update slamming, I don't know, an update of a string field with a million rows, that's, that's going to hurt your SSD because... Look at a work that the database has to do, right? It goes to disk, read, and then change something, and then flush, write it. If the, the problem is like if you change these small things. Right? Now go to databases with indexes, have uh, two types of indexes, right? The databases. The classical index is called B3, which is I talked about many times in this channel. And this is part of, of, part of my introduction to database engineering, where the B3, the index... Uh, balances itself so let's say it's an empty table and you have an index on the id right you add id number one it just goes there you add number two right okay is is two greater than one yes put it in the right and then you add three you go okay is two greater than uh three is greater than two go oh put it in the right and then you add i don't know you add another two two is less uh, equal to put it in the left and you start doing all this stuff but if you add number four again you start doing the trees like this, right? It goes all the way there. So the B tree balances itself by making three as the node and then moving four to the right and moving two to the left, right? So that's how, how it is called a rebalance. And what, I, what did I do now? I updated. A rebalance is an update. Because despite me inserting, that triggered an update. An update the index equal bad thing for the ssd i'm saying bad here is just being between quotes but if you do it once or twice or a thousand times not that bad but doing it million times kills your ssd facebook realized that and they built actually google realized that first and they built a database engine called level db let me write it down level db so that with with an index that is not b3 it's an LSM, log structured merge tree, where things are always inserted. 
There is no balancing. There is no magic like that. It's always insert. And this is the love inserts, right? If you insert in your new pages, knock yourself off. We're going to insert. We're going to insert. We're going to insert all the time, right? So that's how it works. So it does something in the memory level one, then does, does it again level two, level three, and level four, and does it in levels. Again, I don't know the technical detail. Facebook took that level DB, forked it, and built something called Rocks DB. I'm, I'm sure some of you heard about that. And uh, Cassandra was inspired by that, I believe. Cassandra was Facebook, right? Yeah. Cassandra, also inspired by the log structure merge tree from level DB. I might be wrong there. But, and they built Cassandra with, with right performance. And when I say right performance, like, how can I do right without an update? Right? And the, the B3 problem that we talked about. So Cassandra does an LSM. RocksDB does an LSM. Right, and then uh, my rocks, which is my SQL version on top of uh, RocksDB, that's an engine. I think Porcona does that. So yeah, that's essentially it. Does it mean that LSM is better than B3? No, it depends. Ahmed says, I discovered you because of Muhammad Sharif live. Where are, where have you been hiding? <laughs> I have not been hiding. The YouTube algorithm is finally smiling on us. Thank you, Ahmed. Appreciate it. To build a TCP. What is going on? How are you doing, guys? Good of awesome questions, guys. You guys are hungry for knowledge. Knowledge here in my garage. But you, what do you, but you know what I like more than knowledge? Wait, that doesn't look like that. Backend knowledge. What is the most used programming languages in backend? Ah, uh, I can't say. But I'm gonna guess it's C plus plus. But now things are changing, man. Who God knows? I mean, I JavaScript is blowing up with Node.js now running on a server. Python is blowing up. C plus plus is definitely one of the best. Go is blowing up. Rust is blowing up. That's one of the things I want to learn. Rust. I mean, I'm in between Go and Rust. I mean, it's it's useless to learn multiple languages. It doesn't make any sense, right? Just pick something that you want to do and just do it. Don't overthink it, right? You either want Rust or Go or JavaScript. Nothing wrong with any language, guys. Don't fall to these lang to these videos that we're gonna blow up in 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 today and tomorrow. Everybody on YouTube gonna post videos top programming languages. In 2021, everybody's gonna post videos like that. Maybe I should too. Jesus, the videos, man. Top for it. There is no, there is no top. There's no best. There's nothing. It's just languages. You can do anything with any language. It's just popular. So if you guys, you are the engineers, you decide what's popular or not. If you, all of you move to Go, Go is going to become popular. If all of you move to Rust, Rust is going to be popular. And that's why media have big influence. Tech Crunch or whatever these things are. They're going to say, oh, we predict that Go is going to be the most popular programming language on the back end. Guess what? Everyone is going to move to the Go and it's going to be the most popular one. 
حسين ويل كويك هيلب ويب ار تي سي نو اي دو نوت بيليف سو ويب ار تي سي از بيلد اون ذا لو ليفل يو دي بي اي دونت ثينك ات نيدز كويك اند اي دونت نيد اي دونت ثينك ات بيليف اتس ا كومبليتلي ديفرنت بروتوكول دود اي دونت ثينك سو ام اي بي رونغ ا جود كويشن مارك يحيى سيز اف ذا نات هايد يور بابليك اي بي هاو كام زيرو كليك اتاك جيت and hack your data ah let me let me try to understand the question not hides your public ip well not does not hide your public ip let's correct that first right so not there is a thing right your routers your routers your router one router is belongs to your isp right and it has a public ip address Not necessarily, right? But let's just assume it has a public IP address. And you, behind your router, your phone, your laptop, your fridge, connects to the Wi-Fi in your router to another interface, not the public one interface, not the WAN, the LAN. And the router provides you with private IP addresses based on the range. If the range is 10.0.0.1, it's going to give you 10.0.0, whatever. Right? If the range is 192.168.1.0, that's going to give you an IP address 192.168. Depends on the subnet and the mask and all that jazz, right? And you're going to get private IP addresses. These private IP addresses are not addressable on the internet. But if you want to send some packet to Google, you're going to send... You're going to ask the question, okay, Google IP address, let's say, is 1234, right? Uh, your machine is going to do a quick calculation. 1234. And my IP address is 10.0.0.2. Let me sub-mask that. It's going to do a mask on, on, on the destination and says, is this on my network? You're going to ask that question. Okay. What is, what, is, what is the subnet mask of the google.com? If it's slash 24, if it's slash whatever, right? it's going to do that. It says, no, that network is 1.0.0.0, and mine is 10.0.0. So, nope, I don't know what, this is not me. If that question is not answered, it's like if, if, the, if the device doesn't know where to send it, it's not belong to the same network, it says, hey, gateway, help, help. I don't know where is this thing going, so I'm going to send it to you. So the the machine targets the MAC address of the router as the destination frame with the target IP address as Google. But the MAC packet goes to the router instead of any other machine. If that is the same, if like let's say you're connected to 002 to 10.0.0.3, that's awesome. It's the same network. So I don't have to go to the router. Yes, it goes to the router in the case of the switches, right? It act, the router acts like a switch in this case and just just forwards back the network, right? But it's, it belongs to the same network. If it's outside, you send the router the, the message to the router and the router will say, oh, okay, wait a second. This is, the destination IP is, is 1234, but that's definitely not for me. So yeah, I, I understand as a router, my job is to route this packet to the outside world but look at look at this your source ip address is 10.0.0.2 this is you're naked essentially you're private i can't let you go out like that son 
So it changes the IP address, the source IP address to itself as a WAN, and it puts the public IP address. So now the, the internet sees your router's public IP address as itself. And that's, that's just the gist of it, right? So can you get hacked? That's a very tough question, right? Because, well, it depends what you mean by hacked, right? Uh, if someone tried to connect to that IP address to the router, there's nothing there. It's just the router. Unless there is a a punch that happened, a UDP hole punching, which I talked about, which allows the port to be forwarded all the way there. Uh, da, 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 when does it make sense to use indexes for pagination instead of an offset? Um, again, so so I made this video. Hamid asked the question about the offset, and then this is a, this, was a, this was a very good video, man, because the comment section is amazing. You guys are so amazing. You you, I didn't say this enough. I mean, in twenty twenty, guys, I learned so much from you because the engagement, the questions you ask. Do not underestimate that because any question you ask just triggers a bunch of responses from other pe people in the community and you make all of us get better. So if you have a question, ask it, right? Because we, all of these questions are challenging. None of them are easy and there are no stupid questions. So yeah, we were talking about the offset, right? And the offset... Uh, there was a lot, a lot of good discussions on this and how you going to do this better. Some people say, okay, I can afford to do an offset because guess what? My my ID is a GUID, is a UUID. I'm sorry, Hussein, I, I can't use an ID. I can't use a date. I don't have a date field. Yeah, some, some ch chances like you cannot do it. You have to use an offset. You have to just to... Uh, pray, I guess, that your users will not go all the way to page number 103 and pull 200,000 rows. And in your case, Mohammed, I think you had 100,000 rows. What's the worst case? Ask us this question. What's the worst case? If, some, if people go to the last page, how many rows are being pulled? How long that does that query do? Actually go to the SQL prompt and do that. Tarek says, when is the RTMP video coming? What do you think of the Ethereum protocol? R you, man, this is two different questions. RTMP, I sort of researched that a little bit. It's in the research mode now. So, uh, I researched RTMP and there's another one, which is the open source. The RTMP, I believe the, the flash, the closed source one, right? Isn't that? So, yeah. Streaming is another thing I'm going to look at in 2021. Ooh, guys, we, we have a lot of good questions. Dominique says, Hi, Sam. Thank you very much for your WebSocket course. I plan on developing a soft real-time communication system. Do you think WebTransport QuickTran is stable enough to use? No, it's not ready. WebTransport is not ready. It's not going to be ready anytime soon, I think. It's going to take time. They, they're still drafting it. But yeah, I think it's going to replace WebSockets, in my opinion. <laughs> if, if it's, that, 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 Dominique, that does not mean do not use WebSockets, obviously, right? You can use it. Right? You can still use it. And you, you can switch later, right? And it really depends, like, 
does the web and i made a video about this does the quick transport solve the problem first of all the quick transport ta- handles specific problem in websockets ask yourself do you have these problems today and they are believe me they are not not a lot of us have this problem except the gamers if you you guys who built gaming apps will see how websocket really perform in high demanding games right because especially with low latency you want lower latency than that and then they want uh, gamers they don't play with these protocols websockets and all that stuff real gamers they they play with udp and the problem udp is not exposed directly through the web the web restricted model right unless in WebRTC, that's why a lot of gamer i say i say gamer game developers they use WebRTC as a vehicle to use udp which is clever because WebRTC is built on, on top of udp right so they build a fancy not peer-to-peer they build a peer that is acts like a server genius genius you see these game developers that's why game de- i respect game developers because it is very tough to architect a game right and i tried one of my one baby actually the video the web rtc the web socket video i tried to and i still barely scratch the service it's a big 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 field all game network uses really low level transport as yeah that's true i think a lot of them use voice over ip for voice which is the exactly right which is um which is the web rtc part of web rtc is that sub protocol whatever it's called you should do a video on this Hussein. on which one on the streaming i've been talking about a lot of stuff <laughs> sorry brian technician Uh, how web socket will impact iot publish subscribe model mm. let's think about that a little bit boy you guys ask tough questions i love it so iot like think about it again i'm not aware of the iot platform but if i want to build one i'm going to think about what low latency low power protocol should i use on my iot device i think http2 could not be the answer there grpc is an overkill in my opinion because it uses http2 http1 is beautiful because like i fucking think about it like it's it's a the iot device just sends one thing right it's not going to send multiple things so you don't need multiplexing per se i always think about it this way like why would i need multiplexing if i'm going to send one thing so http1 is enough cheap and really efficient for this for using this so if i want to send because what, what what do you want to do right with with the uh, with iot you want to log i don't know temperature or whatever right so so some give me an endpoint where i can send as much as possible i don't want to worry about streams and multiplexing and that cost cpu which cost power which kind of lower the life of um, the iot device i might be wrong i'm making stuff up sometimes right again i did not work with this stuff but i'm just theorizing here it's all theory 
and you can agree with this agree with me why use why not use mqtt for iot it's lightweight enough yeah i mean there are again you can use anything if you want to like uh, when i said http it's a request response right the the use case that i put was it's a, it's a one unidirectional where the iot device only emits stuff doesn't really take commands if that makes sense right but if you want a publish subscribe model where it's subscribed to something publishes and then subscribe for events then you need some sort of other message subscription right so mqtt is one of them right one protocol advanced message queue protocol which is RabbitMQ, can can do that trick that again that has multiplexing right advanced message queue protocol has multiplexing i mean if you don't use multiplexing that's good because it has channels and if he has one channel i guess that's not a big deal again guys i'm i might be over engineering here right it might work but like it depends like how how much can you squeeze how much power you want to squeeze them and thinking about this is very interesting uh omang says thoughts on elixir erlang these are badass languages i mean uh, erlang whatsapp is built on erlang right and one of the best features in erlang as a language is uh, was it called code replace was it called code hot hot code replacement where we have a running process and you can all of a sudden replace part of the process with a new code. Why does my hair look like that? <laughs> you might say, what's so big deal about that? Guys, if you want to update software, how do you do it? You compile or you inter- interpret if you're interpreting language. And then you have to stop the current processes and you start the next processes right simple example right take nginx uh, proxy reloading policy right let's say there are seven worker threads in nginx running i guess processes nginx called them processes and all of them have the current nginx configuration let's say i don't know you added a new backend is that what it's called nginx it's not called backend it's called upstream i believe you add a new upstream server. Right? How would you tell Nginx that there is a new configuration? You do dash s reload, right? And you do dash s reload. Nginx is instructing all the processes to gracefully shut down and is going to spin up a new process with the new configuration. And then slowly the others die right why just because we could not do a hot update on the process itself with the new change erlang has that feature which is nuts right it can just change part of the code and make it something else while the process is running i know mind-blowing so yeah erlang is awesome again guys there's so many languages and it depends what do you want to pick pick one run with it don't overthink it depends what you're trying to do i mean i think i think we're running into this programming language paralysis really just pick any language that you feel comfortable with and then boom run with it uh 
What do you think uh, about Discord using WebRTC over uh, WebSockets? I thought, did they move to WebSockets, Tariq? I thought they were using WebRTC alongside WebSockets. Last time I made the video about them, unless there is a new article that I don't know about. Is there a new article? Did they move to Web, uh, WebRTC fully? Because last time I made a video about Discord, uh, the, the their architecture, they had a WebSocket channel, and alongside it has the WebRTC channel. That's the last time I remember it. Have you used Erlang? I have not. Was it good for? Uh, I, I just talked about Erlang a little bit, which is one of the major features in WhatsApp actually uses Erlang. I might, I don't know what to pick languages. There are so much languages. And I am comfortable with C Sharp, which is my my main language that I started with was VB.net. And I know, guys, you can laugh if you want. All right, okay, won't, you won't hurt my feeling. And so VB.net and C Sharp is just very easy for me to adopt, right? PHP, I learned PHP and VB.net at the same time because guess what? In the old days, before ASP.NET, we couldn't write that code in VB.NET and make it run on the server. We had to use PHP, right? Then when ASP, or you can use this ASP, the, the VB script, ugly language, right? So I use PHP, I learned PHP for the server, I learned VB.NET on the client as a desktop app, and then I communicate between the, between the two to build apps, right? It's like, there is a reason to learn something. Now, I look at Python being running on the back end, and I, I, it blows my mind. That's why I made my video, my, my course on Python on the back end, because a lot of people take this for granted. It's like, what does that mean? Python on the back end. Someone decided to execute Python as a backend application that accepts requests. And it's not really rocket science. They just made it listen on a, they built a web server that learns to talk HTTP using Python. And voila, you have a Python web server, a Python backend. And then JavaScript didn't have a vehicle like Python. It didn't have a runtime. So uh, I get, I gotta get his name right. Uh, who's the Node.js creator? What's his name? Ryan Dahl. So Ryan Dahl says, I love JavaScript as a language, and I want to write the libraries that I'm using in the front, and I want to use them in the server. Why can't I do this? So he built a runtime. That is, you can use on the server. You can. And what does that mean, server? It's the same thing. It's just you spin up a process that listens have the ability to execute on top of V8, which is the JavaScript engine on Chrome. These are the people who change the world because they want to do something and they do it. So languages do not matter unless you're really going into, you're running into a wall. Let's give you an example where, where languages actually matter and you, you have no choice but to actually change. I'm going to give you a good example. 
Have you guys heard about Linkerd? I talked about that many times. The channel, you we might be sick of this example. Uh, Linkerd is a service mesh built using Java, right? And service mesh, if you don't know, is a proxy, is a sidecar proxy that sits next to your application so that it communicates to other services on behalf of your application. Because as Mahdi, we talked about that in the beginning, microservices is not easy to implement because communication between one service to another server, you think it's just a HTTP request. But no, what if that request fails? What if you want to retry? Uh, what, if you, what if you want to upgrade to HTTP2? Uh, what if you want to secure the connection? You have to do all that stuff. You have to listen and you have to create a, a mutual TLS and create a certificate. You can. Linkerd says, hey, don't worry about it. Just talk to us on your loopback and we're going to do all this stuff for you. We're going to talk to you. We're going to control the security. We're going to control like what, 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 what service can talk to which service, all that jazz. Linkerd was built originally on Java because guess what? They know Java. Let's use Java. They didn't overthink it. Build it with Java. There'll be a whole thing. Few years into the project says, oh shit. Java is taking a lot of memory for our application. And we need to spin up a lot of those services. Those proxies, right? Imagine telling a client, a customer saying, hey, by the way, you have to run two instances side by side for each of your application. Two or two? Yeah, one. As a proxy and a reverse proxy, right? All of a sudden, oh, oh, you need this much memory. All of a sudden, you, you have increased the resources because it takes like, oh no, 200 megs or 100 megs to run in one of those JVMs. So they said, this thing won't scale. We need to rewrite this thing either with C++ or something that is not garbage collecting, right? So there are two problems. The problem is the size of the JVM, the running size compared to the app. They want to make it smaller. The second problem is the jar- garbage. Garbage collector. Garbage collector. Garbage. The garbage collector was a problem because... A proxy caches a lot of stuff. It makes a lot of cache. It writes a lot to memory. And the moment you write a lot of memory, you write a lot to the memory, you have with a lot of memory footprint. All of a sudden, if you decided to discard the variable, the pointer no longer points to your beautiful memory that you are looking at. Java is a garbage collected uh, language. So it says, wait a second. Oh, I need to clean this. Exclusive lock. Wait, nobody touches anything. Hey, guys. Hey, guys, guys, stop, 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 stop. It takes the request. It it tells the request to stop. Stop. And all of a sudden, the request stops, pauses, because the garbage, the garbage collector is start cleaning, sweeping things up. It's just sweeping. It just starts sweeping, cleaning, cleaning. Java start cleaning. And the poor client is waiting for a request. It's like, what the heck? I'm making a request, and all of a sudden, out of 10,000 requests, the, the request is taking 500 milliseconds to execute because we do, and we don't know. This is hard to find, guys. You gotta think about that. It's like, how the heck did they find that? It, it, takes, it takes good engineers. That's why you have to understand how. <laughs> Lol, have loved how he takes the exclusive luck. That's how they take it, yeah. 
And yeah, that's that's why it just take, takes uh, takes time, takes pauses. The garbage collection poses are the worst. That does that mean you have to worry about it as a backend engineer? Probably not, because is your application? Think about this. Like, uh, first of all, is your application memory heavy? You you're putting a lot of stuff in memory, and then future requests are being posed by the garbage collector to be executed do you feel that if you then those guys had to do something about that right they move to rust eventually does that mean rust is better than c++ no it does not they just chose rust and they were rust was very early and the developer i'm following him his name is oliver man they struggled to get rust going but they now the rust is mature so that was the story, one story where they had to change a language. But do you? Do you have to worry? Now, now if, you, if you tell a computer science professor that you're building a JavaScript app, they're going to laugh. A lot of people say, oh, oh, JavaScript. They know how JavaScript works. That's why they laugh. Right? But guess what? My app can be built in JavaScript if I and it could be really performant if I know what I'm doing. It really, really depends. But it's very, very popular. Rod says, any advice in how to start a good portfolio as a backend developer? Showcase. Showcasing. Uh, possible employers. Well, uh, this, is good. this is a good question. This is tough. I mean, I'm... <sighs> I don't like, and here's the thing, why I say I don't like these kind of questions, because I don't have, have a proper answer for you, unfortunately. Why? Because I was on your shoes once upon a time, and I did not have an answer to. And I'm going to lie to you. If I, I'm going to lie to you if I said, oh, just learn this and put this in your CV and everything's going to be good. No, it's hard. Let's be honest. It's very, very hard, guys very very hard let's be getting a job is hard proving that you're good is hard why because it takes time that's why i i don't recommend i don't say oh just learn this project and good you do good no what i do is i give you the advice that is the long process that tried and true which is what i did right for the longest time, nobody would hire me because, like, what the heck do you know? You don't know anything, right? I mean, guys, putting that you know Python and JavaScript and PHP in doesn't do anything to you, right? Putting these as your languages will not move you an inch, right? If I apply today, my CV, I will be rejected. People will look at my CV and say, okay, this guy only knows C Sharp. <laughs> and JavaScript bleh. getting hired is hard getting hired is hard let's, let's be honest I spent a lot of time in my early career getting rejected because I lacked the fundamental understanding so the trick is just go take the long route and understand the fundamentals be more confident and once you get more confident it will show in your persona. It will automatically just glow. Right? It's just like putting makeup. 
four women. Or men, if you're into that thing. Yeah, we'll just glow with knowledge. If you talk to someone, you will immediately, people will know that you know what you're talking about. And that will, what will get you hired, right? And the trick here is to get an interview. CVs do not work. Resumes do not work, unfortunately. Resumes are very weak. It takes a lot of time to actually sit down and get get interviews like to 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 prove that someone is knowledgeable it's very hard filtering and so much other stuff right so that's the, that's the problem with resumes right but i i wish i have a, a quick answer to you unfortunately just like try the truth learn the fundamentals learn all this stuff and be more confident in your knowledge pick a language one Pick a niche in the back end and then do all what you can do to learn more about it and then target companies that you want to work with and inside that. And, and don't lie. Say, say, I don't know a front end. I don't know about proxies. I know I'm really good in database engineering and I can get better. I can help you with this. I'm focused on this track. I'm focused on this. I, I don't want to learn anything else for, for the time being. Code Dam is on the house. One of the very few YouTube devs I know who really, really know till the bottom of things they talk about. Always pleasure to see your content. Thank you, Goddamn. Man, Goddamn just gave us a very generous guys. I don't I, I think I posted on my Twitter. They gave us a generous Node.js advanced. Even I am learning a lot of stuff in that. I jumped to the... I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I watched the threading part. Thank you for putting YouTube chapter so I can skip. That threading, that threading stuff is really good, man. Make videos on microservices. I think I made uh, two videos. Let me find them. Findo... Findo this. Findo... Findo microservices... That's how I find things, by the way, guy. I type what that I'm looking for, and then I type my name, Hussein. And then the YouTube algorithm blesses me with the things. Bah. Bah. By the way, guys, thank you all for your beautiful comments. And um, I apologize if I don't respond, because the amount of comments are insane. There's a lot of beautiful comments. There are some nasty comments, but I love the nasty. I love me some nasty. Give me some nasty. I love all that kind of comments. Bring it. Bring it, Brittany. That's another microservices video. What another microservices? Microservices madness. You guys were going to love this. This is one of the uh, people called clickbait. It's not really a clickbait because I, I really think microservices is a madness so it's not really a clickbait any prediction for 2021 quick will rule quicko quicko this quicko this quick will rule any plan for WebAssembly? Mm, i don't know i really respect WebAssembly. the goal of WebAssembly is to is to defeat some uh, unnecessary, let's call it, languages that spur 
as a result. And uh, some people will know what I'm talking about. Let's not start some. Let's not start a war. <laughs> Lamba. Lamba? What's Lamba? Lamba container? Lambda, you mean? KL ask. Lambda versus container. I mean, stateless. Stateless? Serverless versus being container. I mean, one is built kind of on top of each other. Not necessarily. But the idea of serverless is. And guys, if you want someone expert in serverless, if you want to learn about serverless, because I, let's be honest, I'm not the guy to talk about serverless. I know very little about serverless. I know how it works, and that's what matters. But if you want the guy, his name is Yan Chui. What is Yan Chui? The Burning Monk. Pretty guys, I'm pretty sure you know him. The Burning Monk for your serverless needs. God dang it, where is this? My machine is so slow. <laughs> Someone figured it out. Jemish. <laughs> Alright. So this is this guy, the Burning Monk. This guy, he used to be a game developer. That's why I respect him a lot. Doesn't mean I don't respect people who don't do game development. It's just like his, his effort to do, to do engineering for games. Woo! This guy's good. And then he moved completely niched into serverless. I wish he replied to mess. He, he doesn't reply to my messages, unfortunately, because he has a lot of followers, right? So he doesn't, he doesn't see me. So I, I was like, I tried to like, hey, guys. It's just like I tried to give him some love because he is really smart. So serverless, definitely Yang Shui. So what is serverless versus containers? Like these are unfair comparison, I think, but... Let's be honest, serverless cannot work effectively without a cloud, right? Because, like, what does that mean, right? Like, serverless, there is a server, obviously, everybody knows that, that is running on top of that. The idea here is, let me manage my code, and you manage the infrastructure, right? The IAS, I-A-S. And the idea is, let me deploy, and then you find out so you spin up a VM, physical machine, a VM, or a container to run my code. I'm just telling you that I need a Node.js version 11.3. I need a Python, Django 6.2. I'm making versions up, by the way, guys. And I need uh, uh, OpenSSL 1.1.1. Uh, and then uh, that's it. And then you go and do that stuff. And instead of you doing that work the serverless function is going to do that for you. It's going to spin up the nice architecture for you, spin up that container, and then run your function on top of that. There is lots going on there. There is a nice reverse proxy that makes that decision, right? That's the power of serverless. That's why I always say, learn how things work. Learn how serverless work. And the serverless, like the power is really in the reverse proxy that accepts that call and then makes the decision to invoke a function or not i predict in 2021 and in future as we more uh, as we as we go into 2021 uh, and serverless become more dominant as a as a architecture it's really great by the way i believe the security flaws will show 
I think we'll we'll run into a lot a lot of security problems with serverless where where how do you isolate two functions from two different customers essentially building a multi-tenant serverless architecture I believe that's will happen soon because let's think about how this works everyone my function and your function we kind of call the same endpoint it's going to be the same IP addresses they're not going to reserve different IP addresses for each one of them. That doesn't scale. So that means you and I share at some point the same server to make the decision to execute our function. And I believe some nasty hacker is going to find a way to exploit that. And mark my words. Today is what? January 1st. I'm going to tell you that, hey, did you remember why I said January 1st that someone is going to exploit serverless? This is what again. I'm gonna someone gonna clip this video part of it and then gonna post it to the whole world. Obviously, this might not happen too. <laughs> Guys, what was the name of the serverless channel, please? It's not serverless channel, it's it's a, a young Chui, the burning monk. Uh, it's a is a he's a guy. He's really good. He has a podcast and all that jazz. Uh, if you want AppSync, I don't know what AppSync is, but this is some of the stuff he works with. So if serverless, that's your guy. Again, guys, you see, here's, here's what we do here in this channel. We, we don't, I don't pretend to know everything, and nobody knows everything. The idea is here, you should, as an engineer, you should follow as much pop, uh, people as possible. You follow me, follow Codam for coolish stuff. You follow uh, Brad for coolish uh traverse uh, uh what's it called the front-end engineering stuff he does back-end right but he's not doesn't specify in the back-end right but you you follow for serverless you follow uh, young shui for security you follow security now i have a recommendation a list of channels that i recommend on my channel let's find it let's find this list and bring it to you i i, I they these are the people People, the people you should follow, the people. Go here, go here, my friends. I know it's a little bit late in somewhere, and I'm, I'm wow, two fifty nine. I think this is the most people ever uh, streamed concurrently. So this is my channel. So go all the way down. You're gonna find channels I recommend. Uh, Daniel Stamberg and m these channels, by all mean. They don't have millions of subscribers. Some of them have thousand subscribers, but I know they are good. And I only recommend to you the good, good stuff. So Daniel Stamberg for front-end engineering, but low-level front-end engineering, protocol, C++. You want to know about security? That's your guy. Daniel Stamberg is the creator of Curl, if you don't know. Follow him. Follow him on Twitter. His name is, uh, I think, uh, Badger on Twitter. Security now. Every backend engineer should understand security. You, if you want to dive deep into it, that's a different story. But security is very critical. Security now. Uh, Steve Gilbert. Gilbert? I, I, I butchered his last name. I'm sorry. This guy talked about security and networking. I learned all my networking stuff from this guy. I would, I used to listen. Here's the thing. And some of you asked me, I was, I think Rod, Rod asked me, 
How do you know that you got better as a back-end engineer, as a software engineer? How do you know that you got better? How do you know? How do you know? I mean, what's the metrics? Here's the one metric. Because I didn't have an answer. A good answer. In 2018, I used to listen to Security Now, which is a, a podcast, and I swear I do not understand any single thing that he said. He talked about public key cryptography and some some low-level NAT stuff, and I didn't understand anything. That's why I shut the podcast down, because I don't understand. So today, I can follow his train of thought, Steve Gill, because he talks slowly, which I love, because I'm not... Uh, I. Uh, English is not my first language, so I I can't understand if someone talks fast, right? And Steve talks slow, and I wasn't understanding him back in 2018. Now, I follow his train of thought, and guess what? I find mistakes. I started finding mistakes, and I calling him out, which I'm very proud of. Says, hey, Steve, that's wrong. That's not actually true. That's wrong. When the, moment, the moment he goes out of his networking into the software stack, it's clear that Steve is not as strong as his networking fundamentals. He has level, low-level security and networking. If you go to the back end, start talking about reverse proxies, uh, I can challenge him there. It's clearly that I, am, I, I can challenge him there. I can understand. That. But if he talks about security, I, I shut up because he's the guy. He's a god. And uh, how about Automay or Lenny? How about the other option for finding security vulnerability in serverless platforms? HTTP smuggling. You called it, son. You called it. Automay is, is is older than me. We found that. Right, we found he he showed his age. <laughs> Sorry, Automate, but uh, but yeah, HTTP smuggling. HTTP smuggling is going to happen with serverless. Steve Gibson, thank you. Thank you, it's Steve Gibson. And uh, Automate, please recommend all these beautiful channels. I- I'm going to, wh- what else? I was about, I was uh, continuing recommending people. So security now. So that's how you know that you got better. Just listening to the podcast and listening to things that you didn't understand two years ago and then comparing it today, woo I know I got better. But I tried to not get over my head. It says, okay, I'm still stupid. That's the mindset I, I tried to deploy. Another channel, CMU, Carnegie Mellon Database Group. Boy, Carnegie Mellon. They know their databases. Follow their... If you want to learn databases, there are smart professors there. Computer file, I forgot that. Computer file, definitely. Another one. CS50, that's a popular one. Throwing CS stuff. And keep on bringing in, bringing up, guys. All that beautiful stuff. Thank you, Rafael. Appreciate you. Ghassan says, is your channel content is enough for me to start a strong career? Um, that's a tough question. 
I, I don't believe what it depends on what do you mean by strong? I would say the answer is no. You have to follow multiple people. Don't don't just follow me. Follow follow the, the people I'm talking about here. Uh follow as much smart people as possible. There I talked about it. Uh, follow Brad, uh follow um um security now, Steve Gibson, follow Daniel Stenberg, follow those kind of smart people to just get a lot of different opinions because my opinions you might not agree with my opinions, essentially. Daniel Schiffman. Yes. Yes, I know this name. I know this name. Where where did I hear this name before? Jemish, where did I hear this name before? Where did I hear this name before? Jemish Schiffman, where did I hear this name before? Daniel Schiffman, he's a professor. Yes, he's a, the professor. Yep, yep. That's the professor. I, I, I know that name. Thank you. But yeah, don't don't just follow me. No, follow all kind of people to get different perspective. Because I have a lot of weird, strange opinions that you might not agree with. Like uh, I don't, uh, I don't use React, and most of you do, right? And I don't agree that uh, that you should use framework, right? I always like to use low level things, right? Uh, I, unless you actually understand them, then I am willing to actually use those tools and frameworks right a lot of different opinions so we might agree or disagree with my opinions like whether to use a certain protocol over the other or certain mindset right that's why you have to listen to multiple people and make your own opinion your own that's the idea here and everyone is entitled for their own opinion essentially right and that's how you form your, you listen to multiple people and then you make your own decision. How to gain discipline to learn all this stuff? Sometimes it's overwhelming. Yeah, Rod, it is overwhelming. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Software engineering is not easy. It is very overwhelming, guys. Should I punish myself every time that I reach my phone? No, not that bad. I mean... I would say, because I struggle with the same thing, because sometimes I wake up and I say, I'm not in the mood to learn anything today. And then I feel bad, but I become more disciplined. And I, what I do in this case, when I get this situation, because I do, guess what? There is, it's a mountain, especially when I go to Twitter, I get overwhelmed because there are a lot of people way good, way better than me. And they start tweeting about things that I have no idea about. And I get kind of this imposter syndrome. It's like, maybe I don't know shit. Right? And that kind of hurts. It's like, okay. Maybe I've been doing all this stuff and I still don't understand anything. And I claim that I I make a videos about this stuff and I don't understand all that thing. It, get, it gets to your head, right? So what I do in this situation is like I try to make an execution, a single execution every day, no matter how small. And then I reward myself. And I talked about that in one of my videos, right? I said, you know what? I'm going to read a paragraph about one thing that is interesting and Otome Lenny actually sent me a lot of articles that read about it. this guy's like he's he's on 24 7 it's like I'm so jealous this guy's always learning all the time and he's like and I get jealous like oh my god this guy's learning and I'm not 
<laughs> so he's, he's kind of pushing me to get better as well. So I try to do one execution every day. One. And once I'm done, I put it down and I go play video games. I, I'm not going to do... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pull you the Gary V approach, which I disagree with. It's like, you have to work from 7 until 6 and then from 7 to 2 a.m. Jeez. What? I don't have a life? No, I'm not like that. I enjoy my life. I go to restaurants. I go to coffee shops. I go out. I play. I have fun. Video games, all that jazz. Uh, spend time with the family. Because you you have a life after that. Unless, if you, let's be honest. If you're serious to become really good at this, then you have to spend more time in this and i the amount of time i started spending this compared to 2018 was way more than this time uh, i would say every day i allocate let's say maybe four hours of learning and these are sp- spread right maybe i'll open an article and read about something and they're gonna take me 20 minutes to read maybe i'm, I'm gonna listen to a podcast and that's a 40 minute podcast on the background while i'm walking my dog Maybe this is another tweet that sparked curiosity, which made me search and go search and then search and then search. And I all of a sudden learned something that, like the offset thing. It was Lenny's idea, which is Otome, the, the genius guy that talk about uh, that answers all the questions on the comment section. He asked, hey, by the way, uh, you might be interested in the offset idea. I, I saw that article last year, I believe. And I didn't pay attention to it. I was like, you know what? Uh, I just forgot about it. But then, it's like, it sparked curiosity. So I spent, what? I spent two days. One full day on and off reading about it. And the next day, making the video. Posted. Felt good. That's, so it's hard. It's very, very hard. Tankai Basak. Thank you for becoming a member. Welcome to the designer group. Wow. We have beautiful members. Did you ever read about the Simjacker vulnerability? I have not, Raphael. What is that? Please see, I'm starting a web uh, app hoping to make it big like facebook <laughs> i should i should have escapability in mind since the beginning or should i focus on the quickly product market uh again this is an unpopular opinion get your app uh, a minimum viable product running first and answer what what is the question you're trying to answer and focus on that right why wouldn't get, why would you want to build another social media app what does it solve, right? Because if you're building it for fun, knock yourself out. But if you're building it to actually compete, it's very hard. Okay, what, how are you possibly going to compete with Facebook? Their resources, their engineers are, are so working 24-7 to, to make this project better. And they are way ahead of us. Kale says, the best thing about Hussein Nasser's channel is that he is open, honest, and stick to basic fundamentals. Make it easy to connect 
does it does dots and then connect the dots in the knowledge tree thank you so much and i believe th- these are the dots that i connect myself because uh, again i don't like to use tools to build software without understanding how those tools work and a lot of people disagree with that so I was like what you use tools to help you achieve your goal and i disagree with that you have to understand how this works if you want to take pride as a software engineer if you're just if you don't have any passion to software engineering and you just you it's a nine to five job to you that's a different answer right that's a completely different thing i am passionate about engineering that's why i i dive deep into that try to push the fundamentals as 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 bold as possible which is hard Ghassan uh, says, Salam Hussein, I just ended a CS degree and I feel lost in which direction I should go. I think a lot about DevOps. I should go for AWS Azure certification or path on how to exceed in it. So I don't have experience about DevOps. I believe a lot of people in the community have DevOps. Uh, but again, the DevOps, the, the beauty about the DevOps and the full stack engineering is, is that you're going to taste different things. And that's, that's something I changed my mind. I was against stack, full stack engineering and DevOps until recently when I changed my mind because, yeah, guess what? I change my mind all the time. And uh, DevOps is, is really great to start with, in my opinion, because you guys start tasting different things you're going to go to the front end and the back end and the back end back in the database and the operation you're going to do a lot of stuff I, I i was a devops engineer for a little bit i wasn't really called devops back then but essentially just you're everywhere which which makes you taste different things until you you will feel lost like what what do i do look at what exactly you're gravitated towards and pick that as a result there is so much and there's so much shiny things stick to whatever you think is good focus on basic thing basing boring tech boring tech work boring tech works any book or youtube channel recommendation for design pattern design pattern uh what's that guy name tech dummies Tech dummies? Yes. That guy stopped posting, man. Tech dummies. Naresh, I think his name is Naresh. Yeah, he didn't post anything in six months. Too bad. I really liked his videos. I mean, he's getting a lot of views, too. He like, his, his topics are great. He talked about bitmap indexing. Talk about uh, uh, Yelp system designs and cloud storage. Check him out. Na- Tech dummies. This guy is good. And I only recommend you the good stuff. But alas, unfortunately, he stopped posting. Ahmed. Ahmed Khudar says, in Arabic, I'm going to translate it. Hayalla Shabab, says, Hey guys. Happy New Year. Hi from Chile. Carlos, what is up? Job skills share community. I am not a developer, but your content is also helping IT professional. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for the super chat. Appreciate it. I'm glad the content helps. And thank you for sharing your knowledge. Agile Scrum. I always do Agile. How are you guys doing? How is everybody doing? Martin Fowler. Martin Fowler is a guy. Um, I've been watching his content for a long time. I mean, reading his books at least. Martin Fowler. I have lots of his books. Just a sec. I swear I saw his book. Wait a second. Dang it, I don't see it. What is it? I had a book, his Interpolator. Not this one. Oh my god. The book will fall. Book case will fall. Book case will fall. Book case will fall. Book. Yeah, refactoring and improving design of code, existing code. That's a good book. For refactoring code that's a low-level book but it's good there's another book enterprise applications which i don't know where it is maybe i left it in bahrain ah the book next to it is nasim talib uh, the black swan which is pretty good too what was the channel for the guy the pattern you know i pasted Tech dummies, paste. His name is Narin, and uh, I'm pretty sure some of you might know him. He didn't stop. He he stopped posting for a long time. There is another guy that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brad had in his channel, and he's like a design pattern guy too. I mean, I did a design pattern videos, guys, way back in 2016. And excuse my accent or English to be specific because my English was terrible back then. Not that it's any good right now, but (laughs) what is it? Uh, It was like an object-oriented design pattern. Lane programming, is that on? Yep. I built like a pizza app. And I, I explained to you, like, the design pattern. And I use VB.net, so excuse me for using VB.net for that. But it's just like learning programming with object-oriented. Uh, it's a very beginning. I, I use the many design patterns to build this pizza ordering system. You might enjoy it. I just shared it. Can Node.js socket handle 10,000 users chatting at at once chatting so let's think about that node.js handling 10,000 users don't think about node.js think about the process at the back end so the process in the node.js app is listening on a port let's say this is port 80 and each user will establish a tcp connection to your back end and i forgot what node.js model is but it, it is, I believe it's multi-threaded. So each, again, this, this goes down how, how complicated web servers and, and, and other servers are. Like Nginx spins up a thread for each connection. 
and does so does envoy i don't know what node.js does but let's let's assume it's a thread per connection or it's a thread pool code dam actually showed that at one point Cod, code dam so there's a thread pool that four thread or four thread by default i believe and the node.js is responsible to serve for 10,000 connection right each connection needs a slice a time slice from this thread pool so you need to know what's the limit right you can increase the thread pool but that only buys you so much right again you're talking about not just one connection multiple requests it's different you said 10,000 users that's different than 10,000 requests completely different 10,000 users means 10,000 unique connections that each might send five requests at a time or maybe a thousand of those are idle right so yeah i i, I know single node.js is, is single threaded but i could swear that i saw that it's uh, there is a thread pool somewhere was did did uh, do you add that as a plugin to enable multi-threading i know it's a single threaded and it uses threading to write io but i'm not sure in the front end it must be a plugin that i may, may have missed right so that's why i'm not sure let me know correct me guys if i if i said anything stupid when it comes to that thing uh rafael says node is a single thread but spins threads to execute async okay that's the thing so it spins multiple threads and there is a limit to number of threads it spins to serve those connections so we need to read apparently we need to read up about, about this guys right we need to read up and educate ourselves at least myself about this we need to educate about ourselves about that we need to that's good that's good, good good topics so yeah 10,000 connection what i would do is if i know that my connect, my my server cannot handle it i'm gonna spin up multiple servers azim says thoughts on orm frameworks completely against again this is my personal opinion you can disagree i do not like to use frameworks when it comes to things that i know how to run. i don't like magic in this channel we don't like magic orm does magic i do not like magic right it just does its own things and object relational model and hides black boxes no not for me so i like to write raw sql because i can control that that's why graphql is good but using graphql as a black box is a slippery slope right you can use orm if you know what is it doing right because there is you're just adding another layer on top of another layer because guess what guys you're talking to the database which in itself is a black box it's doing its own execution plan and i'm good with that but i need to first i need to understand what the database is doing when i execute a raw sql now you're telling me i need to use an orm layer that abstract even more stuff that just blinds blindside engineers like what is going on i don't know anything that's why i do not like to use orms 
that hides this thing. It's just, it's a black box to me. I don't like magic. I don't like black box. I need, and I, very important to understand how things work. David, hi from Venezuela. Um, I've been doing something with WebSockets and session authentication with Go, but response time for my backend application range from one to four seconds. Yikes, that's a lot. Even without the DB access, what could it be? So you need to really diagnose what is causing that delay. Four seconds is a lot. Uh, you might you might have like it depends like how many connections do you have like simplify the problem can you reproduce this with a single threaded app a single connection can you reproduce the four seconds see where the time is spent remove the other factors because uh, you might be in uh, there might be a, a maximum number of thread that you might hit and that kind of causes a uh, a pause i'm not gonna even talk about garbage collection i really doubt that it's a garbage collection that gives you that much i think it's a thread pool that's a block as a result it could be any reason really we need to see what's going on again guys the orm is completely my opinion if you want to use it go ahead and use it i personally don't don't like to use stuff uh, that hides uh, uh, my application. I like to execute raw SQL, and I like to talk to the database directly, right? As a, as a developer, as an engineer, I need to understand what's going on. I need to understand every all of these stuff, or am as complexity. But that's just me. Feel free to disagree in the comment section, and uh, you might have a good use case. Our CTO wants us to build your, our own custom framework for the next project. How to tell him that this is the worst idea ever? Um, uh, I score, it might not be the worst idea. I mean, if you're building your own framework, you will have a lot to learn. This is a good opportunity, in my opinion. Like, it depends what is that framework. Is it a backend framework? The web server? It's a, you got you to convince him that it's a lot of work. And would you rather invest that work to build your own framework to so that it becomes solves really solves a little problem uh, did the cto did the research and and the, spent the time investing the time to research all the frameworks and found a little bit of limitation in those frameworks. that's why he or she is doing the custom framework there must be a reason behind all that stuff is it possible to profile each step of the SQL? Yeah, definitely. You can do a SQL trace in the database. That's tough. Yeah, building a custom framework. Hussein, uh, I got to use Neo4j and I really like it. Ooh, how is it? Is it good? I heard about it. I heard good stuff about this. What type of VPN tunnel do you prefer? Hmm. Good old uh, SSH tunneling. And uh, if you were talking about an actual VPN, I mean, uh, I used Express once. 
I don't really use a VPN much. I mean, unless if I want to do something uh, to hide my public IP address or to access something, but I didn't. I didn't hear really need to do that. I might consider to do that for videos, just to hide my IP address and when I make the videos. I mean, not not that showing the public IP address will people will hack me or anything like that. My router is configured so that it says I have three dumb routers. That's Steve Gibson's recommendation. So even if you can't get in, there's there is nothing open, right? So if if you know the IP addresses, that doesn't give you much information. Do you think PHP uh, Laravel is useless nowadays? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, Facebook is built on PHP. That's why. That's why. Look, we should we should really not over uh, over hype languages, right? Just because PHP uh, languages are not used doesn't mean they are bad. It's just, I guess, fashion most likely. Most of the languages are there is just fashion. I talked in the beginning of the live stream about uh, really the when do you actually change a language. F sharp, I have not used F sharp at all. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, Django? Django's good. Django is express to me, right? Uh, express, see, I'm not against frameworks, guys. I mean, I use express, but I know how express works. That's why I use it. And I know what it does exactly, right? So I use that. Django is the express for Python, right? It it solves a lot of it does a lot of work for you that you don't have to write from scratch. That's a valid reason to use. But I am against using frameworks and technologies that you don't understand how it works. It just uh, does something and whoa, works. You have to understand because one day you will run into a bug and you you will be completely clueless because you don't know how things work under the hood and that's the thing i try to avoid because i've been there hello mr hussein zair said i watched your recent video on every backend you should know udb and tcp proxy would that be a great step in the right direction from a career yes yes if you want to get into backend engineering or engineering, you should know TCP and UDP and how they work. This is a very basic networking concept that is not exclusive for networking. Because as a backend engineer, you gonna you gonna you will be connected to from front end. And how it's either TCP or UDP. Most probably is gonna be all the time TCP. 2021 is going to start to be UDP through quick. But if you don't know how these initial connection work, how can you progress your career? That's the basic fields, but that's the that's the first line of defense, the TCP connection. So it's very very critical. But but yeah, so there is a lot of um, Flask is Python's Express and not Django. What? Lucas? That's new. What is Flask? Sheesh. See, see, I don't know much. I don't know Python. I don't even, I mean, the only servers that I built on top of Python uh, 
was Tornado, which is a low-level web server. That's that's the the bare metal Python server that I built. I did not use Flask. I think Flask is the express, huh? All right, might be wrong. I'll, I'll take your word for it. What is Django then? What's the difference between Django and Flask? Sheesh, man. So many frameworks. No wonder engineers get confused. Everybody's getting confused with all these much tools. How about a networking full tutorial? Maybe when I get better at networking. <laughs> C++ replacement? Why would we need to replace C++, Alex? It's good. How would you horizontally scale a posters DB? What is a posters DB? You scale DB horizontally with, uh, with two approaches. First, you scale it horizontally in the same instance using partitioning. And then you scale it, it's called horizontal partitioning. So that's in the same instance. Break the table into multiple smaller tables so that the indexes you hit are smaller so that seek time are faster. And then the, the, the other scaling is through replication. The, th- the second layer is through replication where you have multiple read replicas and one master, I guess, replica that pushes the rights, the wall rights to all of those beautiful. <laughs> That's 70 show. And uh, you push all these to a horizontal and then you make your backend app reads from this backend, the replicas. So that's another one. And the final one, which is my least favorite, is sharding. Django is a French gypsy guitarist. Wow. I really don't know. I thought I saw the, mo- the movie Django Unchained. That's what I thought Django came from. Sorry, Miss Postgres. Okay, yes. So Postgres, yeah, yeah, we we answered this question. So Postgres is that. Thank you for the free database course. Shahrayar. Oh, beautiful name. Shahrayar. That's a beautiful name. Half one. Shahrayar. So yeah, I made the database course for free for three days. And that's the limit for Udemy, by the way. And uh, you guys loved it. I'm, uh, I, I'm really, really happy that you guys are enjoying these courses. How to become a hacker at IDF? Barbara asks. Uh, I don't know what IDF is. What is IDF? You will see that I don't know much stuff, guys. And um, um, Israel Defense Forces. Ooh, okay. All right. Oh, I'm not going to answer that. I have no clue. <laughs> All right. Django is a Python framework with a built-in web server, basically. Thank you, Rafael. So, so Express... In Express, you specify, you create a server, and then you add routes, essentially, right? So say, I want to listen on on a get, and call this function when someone calls get, call this function when someone calls post, whatever, right? So you're saying Django 
comes in with a built-in web server. Is it like very similar to Apache? Like, hey, all of a sudden you spin up a Django web server and then you serve static files. Is that is that it? Do you have any other courses planned? Uh, not really. What is your favorite breakfast cereal? I, I love these questions. Now, okay, we, we, a little bit... Uh, my brain is frying from engineering questions. My breakfast cereal, cereal I gotta say, uh, colleagues, uh, the, the tiger, what's his name? Tony? The tiger, the blue tiger, the, the frosty cornflex, the one with sugar, I forgot what it's called. I don't eat cereal anymore. But that was my favorite. Sultan asks, Hello, Hussein. Is it true only 7% of all traffic is hosted on a cloud? And do you think this percentage will increase exponentially? I think, I don't know about that percentage, to be honest. I think it should be more, to be honest. But, yeah. It gets easier and easier to spin up uh, things on the cloud. And that's, that's why where things hit it. That's mean, that means those companies, Amazon, will need really adept and good engineers to manage those things. This is not going to end by just... We're making the life of developer easier by... Let's say we're making the life of front-end engineers easier by shifting everything to the cloud, but still back-end engineers and edge engineers are still responsible to manage that goddamn thing right on the back-end, right? So yeah, the front-end engineers take all the value by, by having to rely on a cloud managed architecture right which is they still have to do a lot of heavy lifting on the front end it's not easy by any man right front end engineering is, is really really tough right to get really good on front end engineering i'm talking about performance look at chrome chrome is a front end app right it's the biggest second biggest app after curl i think right as a browser this is toughest app you can build curl that's a front-end app but you know how much work that goes into a front-end that is like curl that's a lot of work so front-end is not easy back-end is not easy nothing is easy have you watched bahrain grand prix um it's been a while. Last time I've been to a Grand Prix in Bahrain was, uh, what, 2014? We go every, whatever, every year, I think. goes every year. It started in 2004, and I think we've went in almost every single one of them. Uh, up until 2015, when I, when I left, obviously. Mine is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Nice. Let's talk about WebAssembly. In the future, when I know. What's your take on working for Fang? Is is it not something for you? No, it is something for me, of course. I mean, working for big companies is is really good thing because, and it de- really depends what you do for those companies, right? If you're doing menial tasks, then it's it's boring as hell. But the goal, if I decided to go for one of those big companies, I'm comfortable where I'm in right now. But if I do. I want to dive deep into the guts of how those guys build those stuff. I'm so interested to to work with smart people that build the technology that we're using. Like, 
how how the heck netflix built that incredible architecture i'm i have no idea it's not public so me working for this i'll be super excited to work that rather than for stupid food and and whatever all that stuff and the salaries are not that different from where i work right so these are not something that interests me then what interests me is the tech is the engineering and working with people and i have that where i am working right now in israel i'm working with smart incredible engineers so as long as i have that i'm not going anywhere i need to be here's the thing someone i think my dad told me like if you are the smartest if you think you're the smartest person in the room then you are in the wrong room he must have stole stole this quote from someone he didn't say that but i, I translated it from arabic home but uh, if you're the smartest person in the room you are just in the wrong room you should not be in a room where you know the most no you should just be in a room where you're always challenged and i am in a in in my in my current company i i consider myself don't i don't know anything compared to those guys those guys like have 20 30 40 years career and when, I, when when they talk they know what they're talking about so they you know you you respect their opinions right and boy this is the best thing that an engineer can ask for it's just like smart companions smart colleagues because you can learn so much and boy i'm learning so much every single day i go to work and i been challenged with a new task and then i just push to the limit it's like hey go find why why is this and this is where you excel because it's always you you have to raise your bar right if you're comfortable with what you're working with then you're not gonna evolve you're not gonna get better but the moment you start you start hitting some bumps that's okay this is clearly something you don't know and here's what here are, here's something i used to do back 15 years ago 14 10 years ago what i i i try to sound smart which is something extremely stupid don't try to sound smart why what's the goal right if you don't know something just say i don't know and and how many answers you guys ask a lot of good questions how many times i said i don't know a lot because i don't know django i don't know what django is to be honest right i don't know i just say i don't know i would make an assertion as seth godin will say like hey i don't know what that is but i think that's it's this way because of this i am not afraid to make assertions i would say it might be like this because of this it might be like this because of this it might be like this because of this and I love making these assertions. And now I'm wrong most of the time. That's the attitude you have to have, like, to get better. I'm sorry, that was the Alison, your question about Fang, but I know I went in tangent. How do you keep track of your thoughts and what you are learning? Do you have a developer journal? Yes, I do. I do. I have a journal, it's in my note app in this mac and it syncs up in my iphone so any 
thing, automate send me all these great articles. If I'm interested in it, I'll add it to the list, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn this. It's not clean by any means, but when I read through this list, it's like, oh, oh, this is something nice. Let me do it today. Oh, this is something nice. I'll wake up every day and, and Rod asks this question, how do you get motivated? Sometimes I don't feel motivated. It's just how life is. You can't feel 100% all the time. It's impossible. Sometimes you wake up and you're feeling down. That's why you, I push myself to do something, even something small. And I know you guys might not like this, but sometimes I post like a 60-second video. Short. Do you love this? Let me type in the chat if you like this stuff. The short videos that I used to do. Because push, posting 60-second, 59-second about a thought, about a, talking about a topic, and I summarize in 59 seconds is very, very difficult. And I get a lot of backlash from you guys. Some some people love it. Some people extremely hate it because they say, hey, you cannot talk about HTTP 2 in 59 seconds. You forgot to mention this, and you forgot to mention this, and this, and this, and this. It's like, sheesh, okay, guys. Ooh, you guys are serious. <laughs> but I love to make these videos. Uh, yeah, you seem to love it. But these these 60 second videos, if I make something, it just it just makes me feel motivated. It's like, oh, I put some I did something today. Seth Godin, guys, if you don't know, the Seth Godin is like most of his books, I have all his books. Seth Godin. Where is this guy? Let's talk about Seth Godin a little bit. So Seth Godin, if you if you just type Seth Godin or just type Seth on in 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 Google, dude, Seth Godin is I, I learned about Seth Godin in 2008 and he changed my life because he, he had the idea of writing a blog every day. Happy New Year, Noah! The Kubernetes expert is in town. Kubernetes expert, they are in town, babes. Look at that, Noah Williams. If you want anything about Kubernetes, follow this guy. So yeah, let's continue talking about Seth. So Seth, in 2008, right, and um, he, I started reading his books and his blogs, and he writes a blog every day since 1995. Can you imagine the, uh, what's the word? The dedication, the discipline to write a blog every day? That is just nuts. And I did not do a blog every day, but he taught me to write. At least just, hey, write something. And I started writing. I started my blog in 2009, and that got me writing about what I know back then was ArcObject and ArcGIS geospatial analysis. That's, that's by the way, that's my, my specialty, geoanalysis and geospatial databases, right? Israeli technology. And then I started writing blogs, and some company in the UK said, hey, you know about this technology. Uh, we want you to write a book. A book? What, is, what the heck is a book? <laughs> uh, you, we, want me to, we, want you, <laughs> we want you. We want you to write a book. All right? And uh, it's like, yeah. So my wife said, I said, like, why? I don't know anything about writing books. He said, what are you going to lose? Are they going to, what, what, what are they going to do? What's the worst case that's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Then people are going to make fun of me and then uh, I'm going to write a book and that nobody will read. 
yeah so what <laughs> so i i i accepted the offer and i wrote my first book and uh it got it will it was very well known in the community and then i wrote the second book and then i wrote the third and then i wrote the fourth and then i wrote the fifth and then i wrote the sixth six books because of that blog the idea to write to start something who would have thought and then i'm taking that discipline it's just the idea from seth is just and his new book is called the practice by the way he just published that and he's going every in every single podcast and talking about it now just post do something every day whether it's a tweet whether it's a a useful meaningful tweet whether it's a blog whether do something about what you like and that's what i try to do i've been doing this for 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 2020 i almost almost post daily almost a lot i posted a lot of videos some of those videos so i think you're gonna like it so i'm gonna post um this is if i don't have content i'm gonna post a 60 second video so that might feel a little bit spammy so so me say sorry who for kubernetes he said noah williams domain yeah for kubernetes i don't know anything about kubernetes i know very little and they are the guys they are your guys for this noah williams all right so yeah man we shared a lot of cool stuff man look at that yeah <laughs> they're, sp- they're spamming noah noah's being spammed all right guys it was fun this was fun this is fun thank you so much jose maybe this what is this what's going on here azure the c4 model is another model that i tried and uh i don't know i don't know about that but i still prefer it, it might work i might uh, definitely it might work for some of you the the c4 architecture the 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 four c's right i forgot what they stand for but i still prefer writing just actually just writing do you watch enemy every single day have you thought about uh opening a discord channel i have a discord channel i have a discordo discordo this discordo discordo this where is discord where is discord no nope nope where is discord where is discord gonna find discord the discord link i have a, we have genius engineers on the discord channel and they are discussing stuff that are so interesting every single day i think it's in my description there you go found it join our thriving discord channel chanel join our chanel guys join it join the chanel join the discord channel dior that's a different damn it okay how do you manage notes about engineering topics literally opening the notes app and there is in in uh, what is it called this this thingy 
this uh, iCloud the the default note app which uh, every single youtuber apologizes for right when they posted a tweet with an apology it's always a screenshot of a notes app <laughs> you just you just basically i create a new note and write a title my god ayuni moshfia oh my eyes ah. by the way i i don't know if you noticed guys but um for those who are asking, I have a, I don't have a channel, but I have a website. He has a website. He talks about uh, Kubernetes in his Twitter most of the time and his website. And he wrote uh, some blogs about Kubernetes. If you have any Kubernetes question, do that. More, Noah, this puts you on the spot to start creating content, my friend. You should share your knowledge. Which book you prefer a basic knowledge of networking? There was an, a book about fundamentals of networking. I forgot what it's called. I, I, uh, <laughs> I love that you got the pop culture context of from the not Of course. Oh, God. Discord to this. Discord to this. Yes, so. Any of you, any video on api canary test i think i made one canary deployment i need to make a video about this i have one video on canary deployment if you search canary deployment i think my first videos show up huh. how about that this is an old video this is an old video let me share this canary deployment yeah this is actually interesting so this is back when this is a canary deployment video canary canary deployment so canary deployment the, i made this video when youtube started experimenting with uh, percentage experimenting with thumbnails to auto-generate thumbnail instead of using the built-in thumbnail custom thumbnail so so i talked about how do they make like three percent of the traffic serve them automated thumbnail versus i don't know the rest of the 97 serve them the reg regular software so that how do you change the code so that you do canary deployment right essentially or blue green the coin i i forgot what's the small difference between the two can i deploy the a b testing almost almost right so uh a b testing is like uh you you have to kind of it's like one way or the other so for the period of time you point all your i might be wrong there you might all your customers into single version of your app and you test and you record and then you shift to version b from version A to version B, and then you test again and then measure. So A, B testing, right? I believe Canary deployment is is, is taking a shave of part of the app. Okay, like 3% go there, and then the rest of the percent goes there. I might be wrong there, by the way, guys. So call me out if I said something stupid. Reader Garcia. Hi, Hussein. Thank you very much for all the awesome content that you have been sharing happy new year happy new year to you too thank you so much guys all right sheesh we've been streaming for two and a half hours 
2 hours and 23 minutes do er von quatre menu i don't have languages to say the clock <laughs> appreciate you guys i think we're going to end the stream right here this was really unexpected we started the stream and we end up with great questions i have no idea what to call this what to title this stream but thank you so much i'm gonna start go make lunch i guess so now time for lunch it's uh almost two o'clock is it Eesh, yeah two o'clock in the afternoon here in california Thank you so much, guys. Where are you from? I'm from Bahrain. Check, check my story. I talked about how I moved to the States. Uh, uh, best book for backend, please. I don't have any recommendation for backend per se, but there's a good, a lot of good books that I, I made a video about books. Uh, check out my videos. I, I, I make a video that like, what is the best book there? First stream of the year by... Thank you guys. Appreciate you. Aidos, Masalama, au revoir. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you so much. Stay awesome and love you. And stay humble. Stay hungry. And don't be arrogant because there is always someone who will know better than you. And the idea here is just how can you learn something from that someone? Like if you listen to a conversation, the main goal should be not to wait for him or her to shut up so you can say what you think. The idea is like how can you extract useful information? And boy, that's very, very generous if you do that. You're going to get better. Thank you so much. Masam. Uh, goodbye. And... Uh, Stay awesome. Happy New Year. I wish you a wonderful 2021. It's going to be Zapidi, as Michael, Michael Scott said. It's going to be Zapidi. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was a fun stream. And uh, I'm off tomorrow. You're doing my thing. And uh, check out the content. I don't know if I'm going to make a video about it tomorrow, but I'm going to see you. Very, very soon, hopefully. I'm going to see you in the next one. Guys, stay awesome. Goodbye. Love you.